worry about anything but in everything by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God, and the peace of God, which passes all understanding, shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus, Philippians chapter 4, verses 6 and 7. Thanks for joining us today. This is the Hour of Intercession. I'm Pastor Joseph Parker. We invite you to look with us in the Word of God in the book of Genesis, Genesis chapter 1, beginning at verse 1. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was without form and void, and darkness was on the face of the deep, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. Then God said, Let there be light, and there was light. And God saw the light, that it was good. God divided the light from the darkness. God called the light day, and the darkness he called night. So the evening and the morning were the first day. Then God said, Let there be a firmament in the midst of the waters, and let it divide the waters from the waters. Thus God made the firmament and divided the waters which were under the firmament from the waters which were above the firmament, and it was so. And God called the firmament heaven, so the evening and the morning were the second day. Then God said, Let the waters under the heavens be gathered together into one place, and let the dry land appear, and it was so. And God called the dry land earth, and the gathering together of the waters he called seas, and God saw that it was good. Then God said, Let the earth bring forth grass, the herb that yields seed, and the fruit tree that yields fruit according to its kind, whose seed is in itself on the earth, and it was so. And the earth brought forth grass, the herb that yields seed according to its kind, and the tree that yields fruit whose seed is in itself according to its kind. And God saw that it was good. So the evening and the morning were the third day. Then God said, Let there be lights in the firmament of the heavens to divide the day from the night, and let them be for signs and seasons and for days and years, and let them be for lights in the firmament of the heavens to give light on the earth. And it was so. Then God made two great lights, the greater light to rule the day and the lesser light to rule the night. He made the stars also. God set them in the firmament of the heavens to give light on the earth and to rule over the day and over the night and to divide the light from the darkness. And God saw that it was good. So the evening and the morning were the fourth day. Then God said, Let the waters abound with an abundance of living creatures, and let birds fly above the earth across the face of the firmament of the heavens. So God created great sea creatures, and every living thing that moves with which the waters abounded according to their kind, and every winged bird according to its kind. And God saw that it was good. And God blessed them, saying, Be fruitful and multiply, and fill the waters in the seas, and let birds multiply on the earth. So the evening and the morning were the fifth day. Then God said, Let the earth bring forth the living creature according to its kind, cattle and creeping thing and beast of the earth, each according to its kind. And it was so. And God made the beast of the earth according to its kind, cattle according to its kind, and everything that creeps on the earth according to its kind. And God saw that it was good. Then God said, Let us make man in our image, according to our likeness. Let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, and over the cattle, over all the earth, and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him male and female. He created them. 
Then God blessed them, and God said to them, Be fruitful and multiply, fill the earth and subdue it. Have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, and over every living thing that moves on the earth. And God said, See, I've given you every herb that yields seed, which is on the face of all the earth, and every tree whose fruit yields seed. To you it shall be for food. Also to every beast of the earth, to every bird of the air, and to everything that creeps on the earth, in which there is life, I've given every green herb for food, and it was so. Then God saw everything that he had made, and indeed it was very good. So the evening and the morning were the sixth day. Verses 1 through 31, all of Genesis chapter 1. Then looking briefly in the New Testament, the Gospel of Luke, Luke chapter 17, beginning at verse 11. Now it happened as he went to Jerusalem that he passed through the midst of Samaria and Galilee. Then as he entered a certain village, there met him ten men who were lepers, who stood afar off, and they lifted up their voices and said, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. So when he saw them, he said to them, Go, show yourselves to the priests. And so it was that as they went, they were cleansed. And one of them, when he saw that he was healed, returned and with a loud voice glorified God and fell down on his face at his feet, giving him thanks, and he was a Samaritan. So Jesus answered and said, Were there not ten cleansed, but where are the nine? Were there not any found who returned to give glory to God except this foreigner? And he said to him, Arise, go your way. Your faith has made you well. Verses 11 to 19, Luke chapter 17. Father, we thank you once again for the wonderful and the powerful gift of your word. Thank you for the wonder of your word, and especially as we look at the powerful and wonderful chapter of Genesis chapter 1, and we see you who point us to your power, your grace, your glory, your omnipotence, and so, so much more. Father, thank you, Lord, for being the wonderful and blessed Heavenly Father that you are. Thank you for the gift of eternal life. Thank you for health and strength. Thank you for the privilege of knowing you and being able to walk with you each and every day. Thank you for the opportunity we have of being able to open your word every day and spend time one-on-one with you as you speak words of life, blessing, wisdom, grace, and power into our lives. Father, more and more with every passing day, help us to fall more in love with you and with your word and empower us to be wise believers who are committed to being disciples and making disciples and committed to diligently teaching, training, and guiding our children and doing all we can to help them to come to know you and to live for you and to walk with you each and every day. What a privilege, what an honor, what a joy it is to help point our children to Jesus Christ and to teach and train them to walk with you each and every day. We thank you and we praise you. In Jesus' name we do pray. Amen. Thanks again for listening to the Hour of Intercession. Our producer is Rick Robertson. He's going to lead us in a word of prayer at this time. Father, we join the psalmist in saying that our soul waits on you, Lord, that you are our help, that you are our shield. Help our hearts to be more and more glad in you, Father, and not glad in the circumstances or the, the uh, relationships or glad in the things of this world, but glad in you. We trust in your holy name. Father, let your steadfast love, O Lord, be upon us, even as we hope in you. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Amen. Thank you, Rick. And thank you again for being a part of our listening family. 
on an ongoing basis, we remind you that you can simply email us. My email is joseph at afr.net, and that way you can receive some of the prayer tools, the discipleship tools, a number of the discipleship uh, resources we provide. We're glad to share them with you because they're tools you can use for you and your family in the whole matter of helping to uh, parents helping to introduce their children to Jesus Christ and then helping them to learn how to grow up in their faith. And so can't overemphasize how important that really is. So if you'd like to re- receive some of the resources that are wonderful tools for evangelism and discipleship, not only for you and your family, but to use to pass on to others either online or to make hard copies of them well. And certainly you're welcome to copy them as much and however you wish to do so. Again, my email is joseph at afr.net. And, you know, as we introduced the broadcast, I shared Genesis chapter 1. I like to read that very often. And to every parent listening, I want to remind you, it's great, parents, to have your children read Genesis chapter 1 out loud to you often because there's so much about God and the greatness of our God that it reminds us and our children about who God is, how great, how powerful, how mighty He is. So having them to do that often is a wise thing to do. I would encourage every parent to make it a goal to do just that. Have them read Genesis chapter 1 often in your home out loud to you. We are very blessed and honored to have with us today members of the Ashworth family, specifically David and Lisa, their dad and mom, and their daughter Hannah is with us. See, Howard's excited, and I haven't even finished introducing them yet. He's excited to know they're with us today. Hannah was one of the participants in our Ten Commandments pro-life speech contest, and she happened to be one of the three young people that tied for first place. She did a great job. David, Lisa, and Hannah, how are you all today? Doing well. I'm doing good, Good. thank you. All right, we're glad to have you all with us, and you may hear the gang back there. They're very excited as well. They had a chance to hear <laughs> Hannah's speech as well, and they got excited after they heard her speech as well. So so a little later, we will get a chance to hear Hannah's uh, pro-life speech. But first, we're going to talk to Dad and Mom, David and Lisa. And again, we're so grateful that you all took the time to be on with us. And one of our goals, of course, is that you'll have a chance to share some about your journey with Hannah as she participated in the project. And a goal is that our listeners are reminded that the Ten Commandments Project is a discipleship tool to be used by parents to help their children both to come to know Jesus Christ and to grow stronger in their walk with Him as well. So, David and Lisa, we appreciate so much you all joining us today. And remind us again, um, you all are residents in what state is that? Ohio. Live in Ohio. Well, we're grateful to have some Ohioan, Ohioans with us today. And... Uh, now, uh, did I understand correctly, You, uh, Hannah is one of five children, is that correct? Yes, she's the first. She's the first, okay. So she's big sister, the one everybody else looks up to, so that's good to know. <laughs> so, All right. Well, uh, David and Lisa, thank you again for being with us today. And as we begin, I'm going to ask, I'm going to ask if David, if you'll respond, and then Lisa as well. But um, how do you think Hannah has been encouraged in her connection, her relationship with Christ by taking part in the Ten Commandments pro-life speech contest. How would you say, as dad, how would you say she has been strengthened in her walk with the Lord through this? Well, I think um, anytime a young person, uh, for whatever reason, is is encouraged to get into the Word and study out uh, even, uh, you know, a topic like abortion, something that's it can be fairly complicated uh, and difficult. Um, 
uh, I think uh, Hannah at least was um, able to find that uh, the word has the answers, and um, I think that's uh, that's the goal is that when they as they grow up and as they get older that they've developed a, a habit of uh, of going to the word for um, difficult questions and um, yeah I guess just the more you do it the easier it comes and the the more the spirit can put those verses in your head when you need them and so mm-hmm. um, I think that's the that's probably the the biggest thing that's good that's good I appreciate you sharing that and uh and of course, I don't have to ask if Dad and Mom are proud of Hannah in view of what a great <laughs> job. Uh, entirely apart from the fact that she did so well, but also right. her speech is a powerful speech that I'm hoping lots and lots of people, even beyond the broadcast, will get a chance to hear as well. Uh, well, Lisa, um, want to ask you the same question: How do you think? How did you, uh, as you've observed, as her mom? How did you see her to be encouraged in her walk with Christ as she participated in this project? Well, pretty much the same things that Dave said, um, but also I'm a homeschool mom, <laughs> mm-hmm. and so any chance that my child gets to put to paper thoughts and process thoughts, um, I think is just, uh, it's a slow process, and it's tedious, but it makes you sift things out. and. Um, you know, we're, we're really our goal is to help our kids to learn how to think and where you start, um, you know, got to start from the truth and mm-hmm. work it out from the truth, and then you get a logical conclusion. And Lord willing, that's a thing that pleases God. That's right. That's right. And, you know, in view of the fact that Hannah, again, participated, hopefully she'll be the uh, first and then all the rest of the children down the line will get a, get a chance to get involved uh, in future projects as well. We hope so. Uh, we're coming up on a break now. We're going to pick up right there on the other side.
The music of Lincoln Brewster with Made New. Thanks for listening to the Hour of Intercession here on American Family Radio. Our phone guests today are David and Lisa Ashworth and their daughter Hannah. Hannah was one of the participants in our Ten Commandments Project Pro-Life Speech Contest and did a great job. And so we're getting a chance to talk to Dad and Mom to begin with, and then we'll talk to Hannah shortly. Uh, so going back to you, David, once again, uh, question I want to ask you further. Were you surprised at all that Hannah chose to be a part of this project and do a speech? No, that uh, that kind of fits her personality and pattern. She, she really... She learned to read early on, so she's kind of a voracious reader, and um, and uh, thankfully she loves uh, loves the scriptures as well. So um, she likes competition and writing and poetry and things like that. So um, uh, she's uh, often she she's looking for opportunities uh, like that. Uh, so it didn't surprise me. Okay. <laughs> Well, since now we know that, we're, we're going to have to be coming back to Hannah to pull her in in the future as well. So good to know that. So, Well, my, uh, Mom, what about you? Were you surprised that uh, Hannah got involved with this project? Not really. Um, she actually heard about it in a speech and debate class that she's participating in this past year. And um, she mulled it over and I could tell this was really important to her, um, and she wanted to be able to uh, to give an answer for what she thinks, which she, you know, wants to um, explain how uh, how it how it works out from God's word, how you take that and live and move forward. So, mm. yeah, <laughs> you, you know, Lisa, I appreciate you sharing that in it because you know it's so good when. Uh, our children and our youth uh, see a challenge and are willing to be used by the Lord to rise to the occasion to meet challenges like that. Because obviously, them, the Hannah, along with all the other young people that participated, as they were doing these speeches, our nation was in the midst of looking at the possibility, and we've seen how by the power in the hand of God, Roe v. Wade has been overturned. But the voices of these young people, again, may very well have been important tools somehow or another that God used to help bring that to pass. So again, this is not just a nice little youth competition. This is serious mm-hmm. business, kingdom business that these young people had a chance to be a part of. And so again, we're so grateful that they that they chose others along with Hannah, chose to be a part of it. And in just a few moments again, we'll hear her speech and see how that Obviously, Hannah put some real time, energy, prayer, and Bible research and other kind of research as well in putting it together. So, well, um, one more question before we go to Hannah. Uh, David, how do you think any young person could really benefit by participating in a project like this, just from your own perspective? Well, it's uh, essentially the same way I answered the first question, I guess. Okay. Um, I uh, I was talking to Hannah earlier. Um, since she's 16, we're teaching her to drive, and uh, I thought you know it makes a, a nice analogy that um, you can't just assume that well your kid has seen you in the driver's seat for 16 years, you know, so they ought to know what they're doing. You mm-hmm. don't just throw them in the driver's seat. There's also teaching as well as the observation and everything else. So um, I think it's. Uh, that's kind of where we've, as Christians, have missed the boat 
the past and, and often do now is that, um, you know, we, we think they're going to pick it up by osmosis and <laughs> mm-hmm. something like that. But, uh, um, uh, so anyway, that, you know, it, like I said, it's, it's practice to, um, search out and understand, um, you know, why, uh, we believe the things we believe and, That's right. um, it's mm-hmm. there. You, you can't just expect them to, um, uh, to embrace the faith of the parents if the parents aren't teaching and explaining um, and encouraging them to search it out themselves and, mm. and discover that the truth uh, is there in the Word for them. So um, That is so true. Thank you for sharing your thoughts there. And it's so important that they have to come to know Jesus Christ for themselves and learn how to walk with the Lord for themselves as well. Right. So thank you for sharing that. Lisa, what are your thoughts on that same uh, question? How do you think any young person could really benefit by getting involved in this kind of project? How would it benefit their knowing and walking with the Lord? Well, I um, think that really what's important is that my our, our kids ask questions. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, doing a paper like this and projects like these, um, really asks them what they think. Mm -hmm. And um, I want them to uh, ask why they think the way they do and and what is their standard for determining right and wrong. Mm -hmm. And um, I think when our kids ask themselves questions and search out the truth, I think it's available. That's right. And I pray that they find it. Mm. Thank you again just for that wisdom, that insight. Thank you so much. Well, we're going to move to talk a little bit here to Hannah. So, Hannah, how are you today? I'm good. How are you? Real good, real good. Again, uh, really appreciated you uh, getting involved with the project and you sharing your speech. And as we said when we were speaking earlier, uh, you sound like a strong Christian young lady and an attorney and a preacher all wrapped up in one. So you did a great <laughs> job. So, so we're gonna, Hannah, we're going to listen to your speech, and then we're going to come back and talk to you, okay? What would you do if you knew there was a mass murder in your town? Would you be angry and afraid, or would you simply not care? Of course not. What if you knew that this murderer only targeted one specific group of people, those who were completely powerless to fight back? By definition, murder is the unlawful premeditated killing of a human being by another. The law of God forbids premeditated killing of another person apart from capital punishment. If it is unlawful, then it is murder. If a human being is a man, woman, or child, and a child is a young human being below the age of puberty, and an unborn or newborn human being, then it is murder to kill an unborn or newborn human being. When a dog is pregnant, those animals inside her womb are dogs. They are not fish, or lizards, or birds, or cats. It is the same with the human mother. How can you say that the living thing inside a mother's womb is not a human being, when in all other cases, the offspring of a species is the same species as its parents at all stages of its life. It is not science to say that one species at conception is different than the species of its parents until it is fully grown. Furthermore, there are absolutely no facts, data, or proof for the supposed change. If you claim to be guiltless in the eyes of the law, and yet you cannot prove that those whom you are killing are not human, then you are a liar and you are guilty of murder. When a woman has her baby prematurely, doctors and nurses work around the clock to save its life. 
Why do they not do the same for the child she wishes to abort? Does the woman have the authority to determine whether her baby is a child or not? What is it before she decides if she wants it? God is the creator of all things, Revelation 4.11. How can you claim the creator is incorrect when he says that he created a person? Does God not know what he's doing? If an abusive husband causes his pregnant wife to miscarry, he is charged with criminal homicide. However, if a doctor carries out an abortion, he is under no such condemnation. Where is the justice in that? The Declaration of Independence states that all men are endowed by their creator with certain unalienable rights, that among these are life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness, that to secure these rights, governments are instituted among men, deriving their just powers from the consent of the governed. In other words, governments are formed to secure the rights of life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. When a government makes laws that provide for the unjust killing of its citizens, has it not strayed from the purpose it is meant to fulfill? It has failed to secure the right to life for millions. Which raises the question, do citizens still owe allegiance to such a government? Can they be assured that such a government will not fail to secure their right to life as well? The 14th Amendment declares that no state shall make or enforce any law which shall abridge the privileges or immunities of citizens of the United States, nor shall any state deprive any person of life, liberty, or property without due process of law, nor deny to any person which within its jurisdiction the equal protection of the laws. I would say that abortion is the unjust deprivation of life of an individual without due process of law. In the decision made by the U.S. Supreme Court in 1973, Roe v. Wade, the government that claimed to protect its citizens legalized their murder. Clearly, something is wrong here. All men are to obey God. Rulers, presidents, judges, and senators, there are no exceptions. He is king of all kings and lord of all lords, and he hates those that shed innocent blood, according to Proverbs 6.17. In Proverbs 130, in Psalm 139, 15-16, David says of his time in his mother's womb, My substance was not hid from thee when I was made in secret and curiously wrought in the lowest parts of the earth. Then I did see my substance, yet being unperfect, and in thy book all my members were written, which in continuance were fashioned, when as yet there was none of them. David uses personal pronouns to describe himself, my members, my substance, which implies he was a person, yet being unperfect, before he was born. Samson was a Nazarite from his mother's womb, according to Judges 13.5. Three times in that chapter, his mother was commanded to eat as though she herself were a Nazarite. If Samson was not technically a person until after he was born, what his mother ate during her pregnancy would not have mattered. But it is clear from the passage that he would not be pure unless his mother adhered to the restrictions imposed on the Nazarite. So, Proverbs 24, 11-12 states, If thou forbear to deliver them that are drawn into death, and those that are ready to be slain, if thou sayest, Behold, we knew it not, doth not he that pondereth the heart consider it? And he that keepeth thy soul, doth not he know it? And shall not he render to every man according to his works? Proverbs 31, 8-9 says, Open thy mouth for the dumb, in the cause of all such as are appointed for destruction. Open thy mouth, judge righteously, and plead the cause of the poor and needy. Heavenly Father, we thank you, Lord, for a powerful speech like that. And thank you for the fact that you're raising up more and more young people like Hannah who will speak truth to a world that desperately needs to hear the truth from your heart and your mind. Lord, continue to use Hannah and all the other young people that participated in this project and young people who are stirred by your spirit to speak 
to a world that desperately needs to hear the light and the power and the grace of your truth. Bless Hannah. Use her more and more for your glory and all the young people that are part of this project and young people who love Jesus and want to be used by him as well. We thank you. We praise you. In Jesus' name we do pray. Amen. Amen. Hannah, powerful speech. Powerful speech. whole gang is excited. Again, they were really blessed by it. And, uh, and Hannah, if the Lord calls you to be a Christian attorney, can I hire you to be my attorney? <laughs> well, you, you can just at least give that consideration, though. But powerful speech. I want to ask you a few questions about your participation in the project then. So what made you decide to enter the Ten Commandments Pro-Life Speech Contest. Why did you decide to get involved? Well, originally, I just thought it would be interesting. I wasn't quite sure how much I'd be able to come up with, so I figured I'd just give it a whirl and see what happens. It's definitely an issue I have something to say about, and I'm glad it turned out as good as it did. I didn't think it was going to sound that great when I was working on it. Well, again, grateful that you did. And, you know, of course, I'm glad that you're part of the contest. But, you know, one of the very important aspects of this whole project is that goes far beyond the bounds of any contest. The fact that young people like yourself are speaking up for an important issue like this because this is so critical. And, again, a very historic thing happened when Roe v. Wade was overturned a few days ago. And... God has and continues to use young people like you, Hannah, who are willing to speak up because God uses courageous voices wherever he finds them. He really does. So, Now, a different question. Did you learn anything in the process of doing and researching your speech? You know, Did you learn anything from the Word of God or in just in, in general, too, that you didn't already know before you started working on your speech? I learned a lot as I researched it, but I think the biggest thing I learned was just the numbers, like the, just the information of how many abortions there are. I didn't end up putting that information in the speech, but there was a lot that I came across I didn't know about. For example, kind of silly of me, but I knew Roe v. Wade happened in the 70s, but I didn't know the exact date. It, the case was in 1973, which makes it almost 50 years ago that they made Hannah, I'm going to have to jump. I'm going to have to jump in because of a break, and we're going to pick up right there on the other side. Our phone guests today are David and Lisa and Hannah Ashworth. Hannah was one of our participants in our pro-life speech contest. We'll be right back. Creative things have yet to come and 
Music from Passion, God of the City. Thanks for listening to the Hour of Intercession here on American Family Radio. Our phone guests today are David and Lisa and Hannah Ashworth. And uh, Hannah, we just asked you the question about if you'd learned some things, and you were sharing some very interesting things about what you learned about Roe v. Wade. Can you pick up where you left off there? Sure. So I knew before doing the speech, I knew that Roe v. Wade happened in the 70s. I just didn't know exactly when. And when I was researching, I found out it was in 1973. And I that just struck me that that's almost 50 years that murder has been legal in the United States. Mm. The United States is 250 years old, roughly. So that's a fifth of that. You know, Hannah, that is a powerful uh, reality, what you just shared, and you're exactly right to think that our nation actually had allowed the legalized murder of precious children for 50 years, right about a jubilee of years, uh, and, and by the grace of God, the Lord struck down Roe v. Wade just a few days ago. And so just the fact that the fact that you had a chance to share your speech this year and to be on radio this year, the 50th year, well, coming up to the 50th year then. So so that I appreciate you sharing that because that's a very profound truth that you shared as well. So, well, uh, how has being involved in this project, would you say, how has it helped you grow in your walk with the Lord? I did a lot searching the Bible, just looking for verses that fit with what I was talking about. I also went over notes from a study our pastor did on abortion, Mm -hmm. and there was a lot in that. But I used—that's definitely the best thing I got out of this, was learning more Bible, because it's a book that applies to all aspects of our lives, and it's not silent on the issue of abortion. You're exactly right, too. And so you've heard your pastor preach about this as well, too, right? Yes. That's good. That's good. Well, praise God for pastors like yours that are willing to preach about it because the world needs to hear God's truth about this issue tremendously so. So now let me ask you this. What are some things that you think the church can do to help more children and young people both to come to know Christ and grow in their faith? Just from your own perspective, what do you think are more things the church could do to help accomplish this? Teach them. I think... So often the focus in churches is only on sharing the gospel, which is definitely very important. But when you focus only on salvation, you're going to end up with a very large amount of people who have committed to live their lives for Christ, but they have no idea how to go about doing it. Christians are supposed to live different than the rest of the world because they follow God the way He says to. But if they don't know and understand His rules, then that's not going to happen. And that, you know, that's a great answer, Hannah. And you're you're talking about discipleship. You know, the Great Commission is to go into all the world, make disciples, and making disciples is a process of both sharing the gospel and then helping people to grow up and learn how to apply their faith to every single aspect of life. So thank you for sharing that. You're exactly right. The church teaching people how to walk with God and how to put their faith to work in every part of life. So powerful, uh, very wise answer. Then final question, what are some important things for children and young people to pray about in our culture and our society today from your perspective? I would say it's very important to pray that God would grant his children repentance and change their hearts, that he would guide leaders and men in authority to do the right thing. Most of us kids have 
50 or 60 years left on this earth, and look at the world we have right now. It's not all that pretty. I know two things I always pray for when I'm dealing with an issue are wisdom and strength. Wisdom to know what God requires of me and the strength to accomplish it. I won't be responsible before God for anyone but my own self. Mm. I think we all need a whole lot of wisdom and strength as we deal with things going on in the world. That is so true, Hannah. Thank you. Thank you. I'm going to ask if you'll pray now. Uh, would you pray for, or whatever's on your heart to pray for as it relates to this issue? Sure. Lord, there are so many things you have blessed us with. You have given us the knowledge of right and wrong and good and evil. You owed us no debt. It was only your goodness, Father, that saved us. And it's only because of that goodness we can come to you in the name of Jesus and plead mercy. I plead mercy, Father, for those who have had an abortion. Please let them realize what they have done, and if it be thy will, grant them godly sorrow unto repentance. You forgave Manasseh, who made his son pass through the fire, and you shed innocent blood very much. If you could turn the heart of a king, Lord, you can change anyone's heart. And please comfort them, Lord. Let them know that things that are forgiven are forgiven for good. You can't change the past, but you can move forward. Thank you. Please help them to do that, Father, and move on towards you. Thank you for your mercy, Lord. Such kindness we don't deserve. I pray what Micah said in the last, near the end of the book. Who is a God like unto thee, O Lord, that pardoneth iniquity, and passeth by the transgression of the remnant of his heritage? He retaineth not his anger forever, because he delighteth in mercy. Thank you, Jesus. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 Thank you, Hannah. And Hannah, do you think sometime in the future we can get you to come back on and share scripture and read for us further? Yeah, I think so. All right. Well, well, we'll look forward to that. Thank you again so much. And I want to talk back to uh, Dad and Mom, David and Lisa, briefly. Um, uh, David and Lisa, I'm going to ask, David, would you pray for parents, whatever's on your heart to pray for parents at this time? Sure. Heavenly Father, I uh, want to lift up men and women, mothers and fathers that uh, may hear this uh, broadcast, and, uh, those that are striving to raise children and train them up in the way that they should go, and often that's not easy. Um, uh, the burdens and distractions of life can weigh so heavily on people, and um, uh, I just, I pray that, uh, myself included, that we would all um, prioritize uh, these things as, as they should be, um, that we would take very seriously our duty um, to train our children. Um, that we would educate ourselves where needed if we need to learn um, not just the scriptures, but even uh, uh, logic and reason. And uh, we know that uh, Paul reasoned from the scriptures, and he's our pattern. Um, and that's the um, the way in which we should go when we uh, endeavor to, to give a, a reason for the hope that we have. Um, and uh, so I pray that we would follow his example. Um, I thank you that your word is truth, and we can trust it. I pray that each one would, and uh, that that would be uh, conveyed to our children um, uh, without question. Uh, in Jesus' name, amen. Amen. 
Amen. Thank you. Thank you, David. Lisa, would you pray for parents as well? Whatever's on your heart, pray for parents and parents and youth, parents and youth as well, please. Okay. Heavenly Father, I thank you so much, Father God, that you created man and woman, and then uh, they began families, and then you taught us, Lord, through your word that we are to teach them diligently your word and your ways to speak of you as we go about our day, to pray often one with another. And so I pray, Father, that you would help us as families to be knit together by you, Lord God, uh, to love you with our whole heart, soul, mind, and strength, and others as ourselves, and uh, to teach our children, Lord, the foundation of Scripture, uh, that they won't be tossed to and fro in this world, but rely on you, Father God, day by day, moment by moment. Remain faithful to the end. If it be thy most gracious will to grant. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 Thank you, Lisa. Uh, Hannah, would you, you were going to read a passage from Isaiah 59. Would you read that for us, please? Sure. Um, sorry, I'm slipping. There we go. Behold, the Lord's hand is not shortened, that it cannot save, neither his ear heavy, that it cannot hear. But your iniquities have separated between you and your God, and your sins have hid his face from you, that he will not hear. For your hands are defiled with blood, and your fingers with iniquity. Your lips have spoken lies, your tongue has muttered perverseness. None calls for justice, nor any pleadeth for truth. They trust in vanity and speak lies. They conceive mischief and bring forth iniquity. They hatch the cockatrice eggs and weave the spider's web. He that eateth of their eggs dieth, and that which is crushed breaketh out into a viper. Their webs shall not become garments, neither shall they cover themselves with their works. Their works are works of iniquity, and the act of violence is in their hands. Their feet run to evil, and they make haste to shed innocent blood. Their thoughts are thoughts of iniquity, wasting and destruction are in their paths. The way of peace they know not, and there is no judgment in their going. They have made them crooked paths. Whosoever goeth therein shall not know peace. Therefore is judgment far from us. Neither doth justice overtake us. We wait for light, but behold obscurity. For brightness, but we walk in darkness. We grope for the wall like the blind, and we grope as if we had no eyes. We stumble at noonday as in the night. We are in desolate places as dead men. We roar all, all like bears and mourn sore like doves. We look for judgment, but there is none. For salvation, but it is far from us. For our transgressions are multiplied before thee, and our sins testify against us. For our transgressions are with us, and as for our iniquities, we know them. In transgressing and lying against the Lord, in departing away from our God, speaking oppression and revolt, conceiving and uttering from the heart words of falsehood, and judgment is turned away backward. And justice standeth afar off, for truth is fallen in the street, and equity cannot enter. Yea, truth faileth, and he that departeth from evil maketh himself a prey. And the Lord saw it, and it displeased him that there was no judgment. And he saw that there was no man, and wondered that there was no intercessor. Therefore his arm brought salvation unto him, and his righteousness it sustained him. 
All right, Hannah, thank you for sharing that powerful passage. All right. And as we normally do before we end the broadcast, if you're listening today and you've never accepted Christ as your Lord and Savior, we invite you to pray this prayer to commit your heart and whole life to Him. Lord Jesus, thank you for loving me so much. You came to this world. You lived. You died on the cross to pay for my sins. Three days later, you rose up from the dead so that I could be saved. Lord, I confess I've sinned and done wrong in many ways. I repent and turn from all the wrong I've done. Forgive me, Lord, for all the wrong I've done. Lord Jesus, come into my heart. Be my Lord and Savior. Make me the person you would have me to be. Thank you, Lord, for saving me. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, if you prayed that prayer, please email us at joseph at afr.net. We'd like to share with you some literature and resources that will help you to grow and grow in your walk with the Lord. Hope to hear from you again, joseph at afr.net. David, Lisa, and Hannah, thank you all so much for coming on the broadcast. did a great job. And you all keep up the great work as you serve the Lord as a family following Jesus, okay? Yes, sir. All right. (laughs) And I want to ask all our listeners, please pray much for David, Lisa, Hannah, and their whole family as they continue to serve the Lord. And let's pray much for one another and pray for the church. Thanks for listening. Join us again next time for the Hour of Intercession. The views and opinions expressed in this broadcast do not necessarily reflect those of the American Family Association or American Family Radio.